now it's time for News with My Dad, a show where we talk about the news with my dad. Here live in studio playing the role of my dad is, in fact, my dad, the paper towel king, Joe Smith. Pop, how you doing? I'm doing well. This is a show we talk about the news. We try to talk about the important stuff. Sometimes we talk about the unimportant stuff. When it's unimportant, we try to say so. We take turns. Dad typically takes the first turn. Pop, do you have a shout-out? I have two shout-outs. Shout-out intentions. They believed you. Go ahead. <laughs> first, I want a shout-out for the Reverend Kyer Dosa. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing her names correctly. Who is suing the United States because they have been surveilling her and harassing her simply because she has been providing a ministry to immigrants on the border, to immigrant applicants. And she, she formerly was with the La Mesa United Church in California. She's now with the New Sanctuary Coalition in New York City, and she is devoting her time and her treasure to providing ministry to immigrant applicants and I think that's a wonderful thing and that she's going to take on the government for harassing her. And then I want to shout out locally for the Meyer Memorial Trust that has pledged $85,000 to Councilperson Jessica Vega Peterson's effort to provide preschool for all children in the Portland area. My compliments to the Meyer Memorial Trust. Well, Dad, I want to do, in fact, locally first Thursday today. And yes, we will be talking about the Trump impeachment going to the Senate. And we probably will also talk about the Russian Federation sacking its entire government other than Vladimir Putin, probably to set up Putin to be put in a new position so that he can continue to run the country, to continue to run his mob outfit after uh, 2024 when his term is up. But I want to start out on Locally First Thursday, uh, where I acknowledge we don't always do Local First, with the news that we have on the city council. This is an unprecedented, well, if it's precedented, I am unaware of the precedent. We have four city council seats, and you include the mayor, which is one of the five votes on the city council. Four of the city council seats up for election right now. That's four out of five. That's 80%. Normally you'd think, well, but you you know, yeah, but they are they really up because somebody's going to come. They're really they're up. They're really up. <laughs> they really are. Like like right now, the person with the safest run, it seems like, might be Carmen Rubio because people seem to be dodging that race. Uh, and even though it's an open seat, uh, that's the way. You know, Sam Adams didn't run for that one. And I've been hearing rumors. In fact, I'm ha- I scheduled I scheduled. Uh, happy hour with Sam and you know that we've always sort of hung out a lot but I've you know reached out to him when he came back to town and said hey you want to sit down he said I'd love to and then and I'd been hearing where he had texted me just recently and I've been hearing rumblings that he was going to run for something and one of the rumblings I had heard was he was going to run for mayor another rumbling I heard was oh now there's an open uh, city council seat he's going to run for the open city council seat well, sure enough, he's running for the city council, but he's running against Chloe Udaly, running against an incumbent. Dad, what was you, you, you hadn't wait, seen wait, that. Wait, which is particularly interesting because he then, as long as he can survive the primary and with the number of candidates that are running in that race, the odds of his surviving the primary are probably quite high, but the election will be in November, whereas if he'd gone for fish, the election would be over in three months. 
I don't know. Oh, because just, well, three months? No, more than that. It's in August. It's May and then August. Okay. They well, still do two rounds. Okay. Uh, but you're right. At least it would have saved him two or three months. Right. It would have saved him September and October right. uh, of electioneering. And very, possi- very possibly he could have got a majority. Uh, so, we'll, uh, you know, we will invite Sam and we'll have more information to talk about that. Chloe, you daily uh, replied to, responded to this new news saying, you know, what is he, sort of what is he thinking? It doesn't make any sense. Uh, that do you agree that it doesn't make any sense? Do you agree with current city commissioner, who, by the way, has another opponent, Mingus Maps, who worked in the city, uh, is said to be charismatic, has also reached out. We will be talking to Mingus Maps as well. We're talking to all these folks. Uh, but, but do you agree with Chloe Daly that it makes no sense? No, I don't agree that it makes no sense because if I understand there are several people who are filed and... I don't think that uh, Chloe Udaley has has created a, a great groundswell of belief that she's done a great job and that he thinks probably the odds of surviving the primary in that one are very high. And if he can survive the primary with his name familiarity and his contacts and his smarts, that he can take her out. One thing is that it does mean, it does seem very, very likely that Chloe's race, that Commissioner Udaley's race, will not be completed in May. Right. That between, exactly. between Mingus Maps and Sam Adams and Chloe Udaley, I mean, she's not going to get zero. And I don't think Mingus Maps is going to get zero. And Sam Adams ain't going to get zero. And if you add up all of them, you know, it doesn't seem like any of them also necessarily get 51%. Uh, and, and aren't there some other unknowns that have also filed for that seat? I have the list, and, and filing deadline isn't until March. Uh, isn't until March, so we don't know everybody who still might run. And I was getting texts from various folks. I got texts asking me if I was going to run. I got texts various folks who I who said, "Hey, you want to talk?" And at this time of year, by the way, when their unexpected city council races up, when somebody says, "Hey, you want to talk?" We haven't talked to it for a long time. That person might be telling you that they're considering running for office. And yes. sure enough, a couple of those follow-up conversations <laughs> that I've had were precisely that. Uh, the, and not all about city council, but also it means that there can be uh, dominoes that fall. Sam Chase, for instance, is uh, rumored to be one of the candidates. I don't, not a filed candidate, to my knowledge. Uh, I'm pretty confident. But, the, but Sam Chase is a member of the Metro Council. And, uh, and one of the folks who is considering running is Cameron Witten, who's considering running for, uh, uh, considering running for that Metro Council seat. So this is a time where there's going to be a lot of, uh, there's going to be a lot of shakeup in city government as people, you know, move around spots. Let me go over the list of candidates that we have and met with, met with a source, Pop. Met with a source. I got sources. Uh, and who's participating in political action committee interviews uh, who's for their uh, for their organization for their union and the and so here are the four and it just it seems helpful to be aware of the four seats that are up and who's uh, in the running for those seats all right we will start with council seat one because it's council seat one that is nick fish's seat three candidates Candace Avalos, Carmen Rubio, and Timothy Dubois. We've had a chance to talk to Candace and to Carmen. I don't know if we've talked to Timothy Dubois. I did not. We, I'm trying to remember if we did it on Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, but we will be talking to all of these folks or invite all of these folks. 
So that is, excuse me, that's Amanda Fritz's, uh, that's Amanda Fritz's seat, not Nick, excuse me, council seat one is, is Amanda Fritz's seat open because she is retiring after long service. Uh, right now, Carmen Rubio viewed as the front runner. If that is an unfair statement to Candace Avalos or Timothy Dubois, please text 971-220-5979, 971-220-5979. Tell us where we're wrong. Uh, council seat two. Go ahead. You're going to say something, Pop. Nope. I'm just listening. Council seat two. Uh, this is Nick Fish's seat. So far, Julia DeGraw, who's been on the show uh, more than once, uh, who's been active in Austin elections, uh, has been active in Portland Forward. Disclosure, so have I. Uh, Robin Castro, uh, Diana Gutman, and also Sam Chase rumored. Not filed, uh, but people thinking that he is very likely to be a candidate for Nick Fish's open seat. So that's council seat two. Now, Chloe Udaly. Going into this, by the way, Chloe Udaly might have seemed like the safest person in the mix. Well, incumbents don't lose all that often. Doesn't have as big a target as the mayor, which means, you know, maybe not as controversial, maybe not as automatic negatives as a mayor. But this may be, I, I don't think maybe, I think this is now the highest profile city council no race that there is. Uh, Mingus Maps, also Jack Kerfoot, uh, forgive me if it's Kerfoot, uh, Chloe Udaly, the incumbent, and now Sam Adams, who is not an incumbent but has the name recognition of one. And then finally, Mayor. Ted Wheeler, of course, is the mayor. Ozzy Gonzalez, Tressa Rayford, and Sarah Iannarone. Uh, those are, that's that's four candidates in three of the races, three candidates in one of the races. That means we've got, with, and that's before and, filing deadline. And we still have two months to filing deadline. And to be clear, Mayor of Portland very often has double-digit candidates. We say, I ought to be the mayor. Or it's like, I, I don't know, I don't know if I ought to be the mayor, but I got something to say, and I'm going to go say it, and nobody can stop me from filing, which is a wonderful thing in our country, and nobody can stop me from putting out a voter's pamphlet statement, and once I've done that, I'll at least get invited to some of the forums and I'll have a chance to speak my piece. So, Dad, biggest story happening in Portland right now is this, the chance to, uh, for just a fundamental reset of Total city council reset. power. Why, why could wind up with almost no institutional memory on the council? Well, but that's the interesting thing. If you got, if Mingus Maps uh, were to win or if Sam Adams were to win or if Chloe Daly would all of them have some institutional memory. Mingus yes. Maps worked for the city. Sam was city council and mayor. Chloe's there now. Uh, it is It is true that in the other seats, you will have more likelihood of disruption. We can treat that as a leading story. Do you want to talk more local stuff, or do you want to jump to impeachment? I, 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 before we jump to impeachment, I want to talk a little bit, maybe more than just a little bit, about what happened in Virginia. Let's talk about what happened in Virginia. I, you brought this up before. I and brought this up and, on and, Monday and, that and, Virginia might be about to vote to ratify the Equal Rights Amendment. I believe they have done this now. And they did that. They have done that. And so now the question is... Does it matter? And here's the background. I think it's useful for people to know. The background is that when the Equal Rights Amendment was passed <coughs> by Congress, that is, was, was, was sent to the states by Congress, they put a seven-year deadline on it to be ratified. Not what, as, 1972 to, uh, to 1979. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then when they didn't make it then, they extended it three years to 1982. And as of 1982, 
35 states, and you require 38, 35 states had ratified, but five states had rescinded their ratification. Those states were Nebraska, Idaho, Tennessee, Kentucky, and South Dakota. So the question was, was it then 30 or 35? Then in 2017, that is just three years ago, and in 2018, just two years ago, two more states voted to, to ratify. And the question then becomes, well, there are two questions. First, what is the effect of the congressional limit, time limitation? And second, what is the effect of the rescissions? Are they valid? There are two lawsuits were actually filed weeks ago, one in Alabama and one in Massachusetts. As you might guess, the one in Alabama is asking the court to rule that the rescissions are valid and the limitation is valid, and therefore, if you want to have the ERA, you've got to start all over. The one in Massachusetts is alleging, no, no, not so, because Congress doesn't have the constitutional right to put a limitation on how long it takes, and they point, they point to the amendment, the last amendment, the 27th Amendment, which was ratified 200 years after Madison proposed it, which has to do with the compensation of members of Congress. The rescission is very interesting because the 14th Amendment was held to be valid even though two states had voted to rescind their ratification. And one argument is, well, there are some of the some uh, limitations that have been submitted. Wait, uh, pause there for a second. If you if those if those rescinds count, uh, are there still enough states to have done it? You mean the fourteenth? No, you're, no. you're going uh, no. Okay. No, fair right. enough. Because you, you subtract those five, and instead of having thirty-five having ratified by the statutory okay. deadline, right. there were only thirty. Okay. Uh, the, but some amendments that have been submitted have had the deadline for passage as part of the amendment itself. Those were the eighteenth, twentieth, twenty-first, and twenty-second. The 23rd, 24th, 25th, and 26th were not in the body, but as just stat statutory requirement outside of the body. And so one argument is that since it wasn't part, it's not valid. So since there are two federal courts, one in Alabama and one in Massachusetts, that are going to rule on this, you can guarantee that this is going to make it to the Supremes. And the Supremes are there then going to decide whether or not the ERA has indeed been ratified and becomes the law of the land, or do they really have to start all over, which would mean Congress would have to resubmit it, or states would have to do it by means of the convention process, which has never been used and is very, very cumbersome. And that's just going to be a really interesting thing to watch. Get Now, the Department of Justice, the federal government, of course, is weighing in on this. And guess which side they're weighing in on? <laughs> well, I, I, it's called Equal Rights Amendment. 
And when I read the Equal Rights Amendment, it's worth reading it. It doesn't take long to read. Section 1, equality of rights under the law shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or any state on account of sex. That's the thing. Okay, It has a Section 2 and Section 3, which I'll read, but Section 1 is really the whole thing. Section 2, the Congress shall have the power to enforce by appropriate legislation the provisions of this article. Section 3, this amendment shall take effect two years after the date of ratification. So the critical language is equality of rights under the law. I don't think the current president loves that very much. That doesn't sound very good to Donald Trump. Should not be denied or or abridged by the United States or any state on account of sex. I don't know. Seems like this president would want to do all kinds of stuff on it, maybe on account of sex. So if I'm going to guess, using somewhat, I don't know, cursory data, I would suspect that this administration would not be thumping the pulpit in favor of the Equal Rights Amendment. I'm afraid you're right. Mm. (laughs) I am afraid you're right. But, you know, I I, I continue to want to hear somebody talk about what are the implications for Title IX. And explain why you think there are implications for Title IX. Title IX specifically sets out provisions to protect women and to to provide women with equal opportunity and equal money from federal money, et cetera. But if you have that there can be no discrimination based, it strikes me that Title IX might be in jeopardy. And I just well, except, somebody I, I don't that. think so. To me, Title IX, well, I mean, Title IX was, oh, by the way, here's a, here's a fun trivia. Do you know when the Equal Rights Amendment was first introduced? It was in the 20s, I 1923. Think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But at the same, roughly the same period that the Equal Rights Amendment was uh, submitted to the states by Congress, Title IX was passed, and the original text might sound familiar. No person in the United States shall, on the basis of success, on the basis of sex, excuse me, be excluded from participation in, be denied benefits of, be subject to discrimination under any education program or activity receiving federal financial assistance. I would say that Title IX reads more like a corollary to the Equal Rights Amendment than a violation of it. So I don't, I, is there somebody who's offered a, offered a theory of why that would be a problem? That's what I'm, that's what I'm looking for. I'm, yeah, I don't I'm, see it, but what would be the argument? But I, I predict, I, well, if you say that it cannot be abridged, how can you have rules that say only a woman can be benefit from this program? Oh, you're, sa- you're saying that you think that, the, that if there are specific set-asides, specific benefits for women, that that would violate the New Equal Rights Amendment? Exactly. I, yeah, I, 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 I will. I will. Have you heard anybody? Have you heard will, any constitutional I, scholar I will, make this I case? I promise you that there will be lawsuits that are. Yeah, there will be lawsuits filed to contend that. The uh, and I guess I just, it, I suppose it depends on who the Supreme but, Court will be. But I I I'm not holding my breath that it's going to be upheld. Looking at who is on the Supreme Court right now. <laughs> We got a text. Uh, Good morning, Jefferson. I'd like to encourage everyone to contribute to the opponent of Mitch McConnell when he refuses refuses to allow witnesses at President Trump's impeachment trial in the Senate. Thanks, Dave. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate it. If you want to reply to that or offer your own thought, the text line is 971-220-5979. We love you. Appreciate the communication. And and, and a a recent poll, a Quinnipiac poll, which has proved to be pretty valid. Can I guess? Says that. Can I guess? What's the percentage for witnesses? Go ahead. Now, I would like to be wrong, but I am guessing it's 56 to 44. It's two-thirds. Is it really? It's two to one. All right. Two to one say there ought to be witnesses. Well, there ought to be witnesses. Yes. And this is the perfect segue to what we learned just last night. Did you watch the Rachel Maddow interview pop with With Les Les Barnes? Yes. 
Yeah. And the big the big story out of that is Pence Pence is in it up to his up to his armpits. And he named and he named Bill Barr. Uh, and the uh, so there's a bunch of stuff to get into. We do know now the seven impeachment managers. They're Adam Schiff of California, Jerry Nadler of New York, Hakeem Jeffries of New York, Zoe Lofgren of California, Jason Crow of Colorado, Val Demings of Florida, and Sylvia Garcia of Texas. Reminder that Donald Trump, who is currently the president of the United States, who used to be a real estate guy and on uh, TV, uh, just in case you don't remember who this guy is, he was impeached for abuse of power, obstruction of justice, uh, related to his pressuring of Ukraine, that's a country, to investigate his political rivals, Joe Biden, as he withheld nearly $400 million in U.S. aid, that's money that we give to other countries, we're the United States, to that country, Ukraine. The Senate still has to decide if they will allow witnesses Trial is set to begin next Tuesday. And the far right is pulling out all the stops because I get all the stops. I don't know why, but I'm all, all the far right list, so I have a good opportunity to keep track. And they are really going after the senators who might vote, the Republican senators who might vote to have witnesses. I got an email in which those the four that are rumored possibly to do it are called traitors and turncoats. Just really, really awful. Do you have that list? I think I might be able to come up with it without looking at it. Do you have the list? Well, the, the, Let me see the, if I can do it. Okay. Uh, I think the four that I'm aware of, and I can think of a potential fifth, uh, Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, Mitt Romney, Lamar Alexander. Did I miss anybody or add anybody I shouldn't have added? No. Okay, and then there is also some rumor that if they all went that direction, Colorado, that, that might Corey join. Gardner might feel the same. And maybe pressure. even Mike Lee, and it le- just because Mike Lee has been willing to say that assassinating right. a general right. would, and might if, have been. And if no. Romney, if Romney does it, it gives him a certain amount of cover because <laughs> they're both from Utah. Yeah, the Utah Trump relationship I find very interesting. Right, like that's the Utah Trump relationship. It tells us so much about what's happening within the Republican Party, which is occasional critique. Lots of people who think the guy's a scoundrel, but ultimately so far not yet willingness to do much meaningful about it. We'll see if Mitt Romney is willing to do this. Uh, first of all, Ukraine knew that this was about hitting Biden, not corruption. We knew that. Donald Trump, I think, knows that. By the way, you're listening to X-Ray FM, KXY Portland, KQAC HD3, Portland, 107.1, 91.1 FM, streaming online everywhere at xray.fm. This is wow. done by my dad. We hit the spatial ID right on the money. Boom. <laughs> oh. The, so the first one, although Donald Trump knows what's going on, he has attempted to communicate that uh, he, this was not about what it was about, but he, it was about something he, else. He doesn't even know Parnas, doesn't know even who he is, although we have now seen, what, at least six pictures of him with Parnas, including with just Parnas, but he doesn't know the man. Uh, we got documents on Tuesday night that indicated there was an early quid pro quo, an early trade between Parnas and then-Ukrainian prosecutor General Yuri Litsenko, during the administration of uh, Zelensky's predecessor, then-President Petro Poroshenko, Parnas and Lutsenko tied information about Hunter Biden and Burisma Holdings to the removal of then-U.S. Ambassador Marie Yovanovitch. I know there's a lot of names, but y'all been following the names. That was the first takeaway. Second, as you said, Pop, Parnas implicated pretty much everybody. 
has in his in his exclusive interview with Rachel Maddow said there was no secret what was going on among Trump team members, including some key people. He indicated that John Bolton was well aware of what was going on. He said Bolton spoke with Zelensky that he was a key witness. Parnas's quote: "100%, he knows what happened." Number th- yet yeah, also Vice President Pence. He said, "I'm going to use a famous quote by Gordon Sondland." Every quote, everybody was in the loop, end quote, Parnas said. Asked to state it more plainly, he said of Pence, he could not not have known, a.k.a. he must have known. Pence chief of staff, Mark Shorters, responded, saying it's very simple, and then tried to go after Lev Parnas's uh, credibility. He also, here's another quote, Mr. Barr knew everything, end quote. Uh, he added, Attorney General Barr was basically on the team. Third takeaway, doubting the surveillance of Yovanovitch. This is interesting. There's documents that came out suggesting that Yovanovitch was being surveilled. Yes. That's kind of scary. It is kind of scary. It is kind of scary. What was your reaction when you saw the news about the, the, the alleged surveillance? Well, first, did it really happen? And second, if it really happened, was it part of the inner circle scheme or was it from a nut who is currently running for Congress who was trying was a wannabe and wanting to get into the inner circle and I think those are two questions that that I don't know the answer to right now. And also Devin Nunes has now admitted suddenly contact with Parnas. His cell phone number showed up. Devin Nunes, Republican California, Trump Confederate uh, showed up in Parnas's phone records top Republican on the House Intelligence Committee said he didn't really recall speaking with Parnas. Funny how memory works. And a conspicuously timed disclosure, cut barring here from the New York, excuse me, from the Washington Post shortly before the interview aired. Nunes appeared on Fox News Wednesday night and admitted to talking to him. Maybe getting memory refreshed while maintaining he didn't recognize the name at the time. He said, it was very clear. I remember that call. It was very odd, random, talking about random things. And I just said, great, talk to my staff. And boom, boom, boom. (laughs) Boom, boom, and boom is right. Boom, boom goes the truth, we hope. So, Dad, do you want, I know you don't like giving predictions, but you can handicap. You want to handicap the percentage chance that there are witnesses called to the impeachment trial? I would say my over-under would be 40%. That seems about fair. That seems about fair. That's mildly optimistic. Anything else you got on that? Other national news. Michael Flynn has been at, related to impeachment. He wants to pull back his, his, he's got new lawyers, and of course the new lawyers are part of the, part of the right-wing cabal, and he wants to withdraw his guilty plea. I predict the judge will say, no, no, Jose. But also, hasn't there been a change in the sentencing? Haven't they now said? Well, yeah. Well, the, the, the feds had originally said they were going to propose probation, no jail time. But then they said, hey, the guy went south on us, yeah. stopped contributing, maybe even told us things that weren't true. And so we think he ought to get some jail time. And so his Flynn's lawyers, new lawyers, are now saying, well, they are awful people. They reneged. But the judge, I think, if I, if I recall, already had a, a, a ruling that was relevant to that, and I don't, I don't think she's going to buy it, but we'll see. It's tricky. 
it has felt to me like a bunch of these folks. I certainly had this feeling when I was watching Michael Cohen. I watched this. I had this feeling. Well, let me ask this. How credible did you find Parnas? I have found I found Parnas pretty credible. So did I. Yeah. I mean, you know, not a guy that I want to vouch for his ultimate morality as a human being, right? But yeah, I, I that sounded yeah. to me like he was telling the truth. Yep. That, that was that was how he came across to me. Uh, and by the way, what might be interesting would be if in the Flynn case, if the prosecutor said, "Okay, Your Honor, let's have a trial," and then. There won't be any agreement on putting him in jail, and after we win the trial, we'll send him to jail for five years. Here's the uh, Katie. My wife asked this question: was uh, uh, why, and then she answered it. So, why did he do this, Dad? Why do you think Parnas came and talked publicly? Well, the, I I think he obviously is not has already gi- given up on any thought that he might get a presidential pardon so he had nothing on the downside on that score and on the up score to create um, public support that might make him look less uh, less vulnerable to a long prison term the and then there's the other possibility that this might just be somebody who says I've been screwed by the president and so I'm going to tell the truth. He is under investigation by the Southern District of New York. He wants a deal on that. He would like to get immunity. Uh, the uh, the speculation that Katie offered was, well, uh, the problem that he's got is the Southern District of New York still reports to the Attorney General, and the Attorney General is in the tank for Trump. And so getting an immunity deal for him so that he can squeal on Trump might be really hard. But maybe if he comes clean, or even comes dirty, if he starts talking publicly, maybe there's more of a chance that he can get a story out. Maybe he can earn an immunity deal. It also occurred to me maybe it reduces the risk of assassination if he gets the story really out there, and then all of a sudden he becomes, if he dies, not just some name that people, you know, uh, some maybe Ukrainian guy, right. Middle Eastern guy, maybe sort of died. There have been a bunch of those, right? I don't remember. I can't keep them straight. But I said, oh, yeah, that's the guy who saw Maddow. That guy died. That's real fishy. So I don't know. Uh Dad, United States has resumed military operations with Iraq. American troops resumed joint military operations with Iraq on Wednesday, two weeks after thousands of protesters and militia fighters swarmed the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad, protesting U.S. airstrikes in the country, which, in fact, even predated the killing of Iranian General Qasem Soleimani. The Iraqi Parliament called on the United States to expel American troops on January 5th in response to that airstrike. The State Department rejected the request to discussing pulling American troops out last Friday, and the Prime Minister of Iraq said in a speech to his cabinet, Well, in all in due time, all in due time, would follow an appropriate time. And Iran, Iran has arrested the guy who took the pictures of the interception of the rocket and the airplane as somehow unpatriotic. Of course, because if it hadn't been for that picture, they might have been able to get away with it. So just kill the messenger. Are we going to talk about the debate? The debate happened. There were six people on stage. It was the thinnest one. I gave the pundit review yesterday. I can review some of that. But Dad... What were your takeaways? 
Well, first, I think almost everybody would now agree that the biggest story about the debate happened after the debate was over when Bernie Sanders reached out his hand to shake Elizabeth Warren's hand, and she declined, and we now Oh, have wait, oh, wait, oh, wait. Guess what we're about to do? We're about to do election news. Go ahead, Pop. <laughs> what is it we're supposed to hear? I don't know. I don't know. It, 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 I don't know. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> anyway, it turns out that there was a, a microphone that was picking up audio and got what she had to say, which was... You called me a liar on national TV. I suspect what really happened in that conversation. Here, back we've then. got we've got the uh, we've got that clip. Why don't we play okay, the clip? Okay, do it. I think you called me a liar on national TV. What? I think you called me a liar on national you know, TV. Let's not do it right now. You want to have that discussion? We'll have that Any discussion. Point? You called me. You told me. All right, let's not do it. I'm now. Not, I don't want to get in the middle. But I just want to say hi, Bernie. Yeah, good. Okay. Oh. <laughs> that voice in the middle was Tom Steyer, who looked very uncomfortable. Why did why Tom Steyer? See, Tom Steyer's not a fight promoter. Yeah, like <laughs> like Manny Benyago, who I went to high school with, he would have been like, "Yeah, get her," or like, "Yeah, get him." And he would have like been pushing for the fight rather than rather than say, "Oh, excuse me, let me just say hello and and break the tension." And and, I, and I'd be willing to bet what happened that there was a conversation, and in that conversation, Bernie Sanders did not in any way suggest that a woman should not Why do be you think president. That? Should, would, would not for a moment suggest that, but he might have said something like that. Well, there's still some question as to whether or not a woman can be elected president because of the misogyny in the country, something like that. And she, she didn't hear the qualifications and put it, so I'm guessing neither one of them is lying, that they just had a, a different take on what was actually said. I don't know. I don't know, I, like, a, like a tape of the conversation. But anyway, my take on the debate, if you look at the purpose of the, everybody on the debate stage is to improve his or her position. And if you measure who best improved his or her position as the winner, I would say Tom Steyer was the winner of that debate because he was the one who probably improved his position the most. Now, of course, he probably improved it only from 6% to 8% or 9%, if that, and maybe not even that much. But uh, uh, the I was most touched by Elizabeth Warren's closing statement. It, uh, it uh, really did reach me. Yeah. And I... I, I got a better I got a better feel for why I'm having a hard time with Senator Klobuchar. I realize that because you don't across, think a woman could be elected president she, because you're no, misogynist. I, she comes across so much as stage, and particularly I noticed in when she was making making a long statement and always looking to one side, and then when she was going to say something that was obviously a snipe. At Elizabeth Warren, turned to look at Elizabeth Warren, and that had to have been simply choreographed. That was something which she had worked out to do in the, and it was just. You just don't buy it all the time. She feels just a little, yeah. a little, yep. uh, a little stilted. Well, yep. you know, so is Al Gore. He got elected president. Darn it! Uh, all right, Dad. Well, here was uh, in the pundit review, your winner, Tom Steyer, was the one person was the big loser. Uh, according to uh, Vox, 
according to New York Times, according to Business Insider, according to USA Today, he was a loser, and he was the person in the New York Times uh, pundit review, their own pundit review, they don't call it that, uh, got the lowest score, the only one who got below five. The one who had the most greens in my color-coded green, yellow, red was, in fact, Elizabeth Warren. But she was only in the middle. In fact, in the bottom, she came in fourth in the New York Times and basically tied with Pete Buttigieg, but, uh, but didn't do as well. And this was the first time the New York Times average and my pundit average had a significant uh, disagreement, came out significantly differently. Very frequently, U- USA Today had, uh, had Steyer and Klobuchar as losers. This was not, and, and in fact, yeah, this was, I'll say this last thing on the Pundit Review. Many of the other outlets I looked at said, ah, this was the time, including CNN, including, uh, including USA Today, including Business Insider said this was the time Klobuchar did worse. Klobuchar, however, in the New York Times Review came number one. So, you know, it's like, what, what's your favorite color? What's your favorite color? What's your favorite color? All right, Dad. Well, it is still election news. We, but this underlines to me why we really ought to have ranked voting in this in, in the primary, so that people could express their second and third choices. Yeah. Uh, well, let's take a very quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Kevin Beasley. Uh, Dad, are you aware? I will explain who Kevin Beasley is. Uh, Kevin Beasley. I'm going to find this Kevin Beasley thing. Uh, the I'm trying to use my document map. It's not working. There it is. Uh, when Kevin Beasley is the, uh, we're going to be talking about the American Legion story. When Gregory Isaacson was elected as commander of American Legion post-134, it sparked a bunch of outrage. Kevin Beasley is a member who plans to run as the replacement commander for that post. We're going to talk to him about that controversy and what's going on there. We're going to be back in just a moment. You're listening to X-Ray. Sean Davis, longtime friend of X-Ray, was head of American Legion Post 134. Happens to be really close to here. During that time, they were doing all kinds of really notable things to help homeless folks and to have a pro-democracy, pro-human, pro-social interaction with the community. Greg Isaacson got elected as American Legion 134 post. Isaacson is regular at Patriot Prayer Protest, a right-wing group based in Vancouver. And questions arose as to what role those politics might play as leader. Kevin Beasley is another member of that post who now plans to run as a replacement commander. He is on the phone now to talk about what happened. Uh, Mr. Beasley, thanks so much for being with us. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me. What did I miss in my run-up to this? Any facts I got wrong or any important facts I just left out entirely? No, that sounds about right. Um, that's that's about the situation right now. Um, and if it's okay with you, uh, I don't know what your questions are, but I, I'd, I'd hope to not make this about um, Greg too much. Why not? Well, I'd rather just kind of concentrate on the post and the things that the post could do and the things the post has done and the potential it has. Well, let, let's ask about that, but, I, but I, I've got to acknowledge that how this came to our attention was with Sean Davis posting, says, my birthday present, please block Greg, Greg Isaacson from being this thing, that it seems like this is in the context. You know, we don't cover every American Legion post 
elections. So the context of this does seem pretty important, unless unless you don't think it's a problem. Do you, do you think Greg Ising is not a particularly important issue? No, I do think it's an issue. Yeah. How come? What, what, that, what's um, what's important about it? Yeah, the, the things that have been said don't reflect like the values of the Post at all, which is why I'm on the phone today. And thanks for doing that. What, what are the things that have been said that you think cut against uh, the values of the Post? Well, you know, when I started going to the Post, I mean, it just was such a cool place. And, I, and it is such a cool place still. Um, it was a place where all ages shows happened. It was a food pantry. Um it just served as like a community center, and that's that's the way I see it, and the way I'd like to keep seeing it. And why does and you hadn't you hadn't planned on running until Greg Isaacson was uh, was elected, right? That's right. And so, what about his election made you decide I got to get in this? Well, you know, I'm uh, young-ish, right? Younger, I'm thirty. And uh, I think that veterans coming out of the military today, I think it's kind of a different era of veterans. And I think that I can speak on behalf of that quite well. And I think that I could be a really good like, figure for the post and a good representation of it. Actually, 30, 30 is definitely young for the American Legion. The Amer- sure, American, yeah, the American, American Legion, Legion was really big because of the WW two veterans, and then it got it got a, a boost, not a huge boost, but nonetheless a boost from Vietnam, or, or from Korea rather, not much of a boost from Vietnam, and so I suspect that you're you're in probably the bottom quarter age group. Yeah, definitely, and you know, like for me, like when I started going there. Um, and again, I just kind of walked in not knowing what to expect, but, you know, coming out of the military and thinking, okay, well, you know, this is a military place. Let's let's see what it is. And then, like, the night that I walked in, there was music happening. There was a concert. People there were so friendly. And I just thought, wow, this is really special. And, um, like, the way you, exactly what you said, the people there now and the people who have been running it, it's, it's an older crowd, right? It's an older group. And unless a new group comes in and takes over, that will fade. Well, Isaacson's a new group, isn't he? Well, yeah. Okay, so what? So the, the difference is not new versus old. The difference isn't young versus old, right? The difference is something else. Uh, it, Post-134 drew attention in 2017. It became an emergency shelter and installed gender-neutral bathrooms. Uh, how have the politics within Post-134 changed? What would you do differently from that, or what is your opponent wanting to do differently from that? Hey, as far as I know, he, from what he's told me, he doesn't want to do anything different. Why do you know? I, I know that there's a lot of controversial topics and like controversial thoughts against him, um, and I'm, I'm not <laughs> defending him or anything, but I'm just basing this off of what I've heard, firsthand information that he's hoping to keep that like those values going. Yeah. So why run? Me? Yeah, why run? Why do you think you didn't originally run, this guy gets in there, and now you decide to run? Uh, why run? Or, or why are you hesitant to is – it, is it because he's a fellow member of the military and you, want to, you don't want to criticize the guy? Why the hesitance to lay it on the table? Oh, I, I want to run because I think I can make it a really cool place, right? Mm-hmm. I think I can make the Legion really cool. 
I think that I can make it <laughs> a great community center. I think I can get young veterans involved. I think I can get the community and neighborhood involved. I think there's a lot of potential over at Post 134. Again, I love that place. Uh, it's, it's really, really special to me. So that's why I want to run. I think I'd be really good for the Post. Anything you want to talk about what you want to do with it? Me? That's a good question. You know, I, I what I want to know and what I want to find out is I just want to listen to, like, the community around and find out what people want to use it for. Like, what do you want to use it for? I, you you want to make it a cool place and you want to do new stuff. What's the new stuff? What do you want to do? What do you want to use it for? Yeah, uh, well, definitely like continuing it as a venue and con- continuing it for music. Like that to me is super important. Keeping that going, uh, getting the food pantry going again. You know that has been dying out because. It, <laughs> Right, keeping those things going. Yeah, uh, where'd you serve? Me? Oh, yeah. I was in the Navy. Where, where, where were you stationed? All over? Because you were yeah, in I was stationed in Japan. All right, between Yokosuka and Yokota Air Force Base. How Pop, many? How many? How many years? How many years were you in? Yeah, I was four years. I was missing for four years. The. Anything else you want to talk about the topic? Do appreciate the time and did want to. I mean, I, I think what is uh, I think what was happening there was an interesting story. And Sean was a, a friend of the station. It seemed like there was something important going on. Do you think there's an important race, or is this just oh well, it's a couple different people running for a community center sp- a spot, and you know, the biggest decisions that are going to be made are when the parties are going to be uh, when the parties are going to happen, and you know, like what kind of napkins are going to be used. Anything important here that we should be talking about? Yeah, I think it is an important race. How come? Definitely. How come? Because I think that the person who is in charge of the post, right, and the way that they are, like, regardless of their political beliefs, everyone's entitled to their political beliefs, but I I don't know how... It is dif- difficult to differentiate those between being the public figure and representative of a place like the American Legion, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's a difficult... I, I don't mind. I don't know how to do that. And regardless, again, like, I I really, really care about this place. Mm-hmm. And if it gets this association as being a place of hate and a place that, you know, a place of, of bigotry, like, that's that's <laughs> that's not what it is and not what it's been. Yeah. What? So what? I, I think that this election kind of, you know, it... it what, what your, you, fin- what? Finish your thought, Kevin. Sure, sure. I think that this election will kind of define like the future of this place. Well, this is what I wanted to get to, and it seemed and it seemed like you were pretty darn reticent to get there, right? It's like, well, I don't want to talk about him, I don't want to talk about that, but that's actually what's going on, right? This isn't like what makes this matter. It's not like, oh, well, are we gonna is is it because we're gonna have somebody who's sixty five or somebody we're gonna have thirty? Eisenhower's young too. That's not the issue. The issue isn't oh whether you know somebody should decide that we're gonna have quarterly gatherings or monthly gatherings. The question is, what is this post gonna stand for, right? I mean, that's what we're actually talking about. Right, right. And and the question is whether or not this post will continue to exist, right? Because the post relies on membership. And, you know, membership has not been at, at an all-time high recently. So if if we have someone in place that, you know, that, it, that has these associations, what, what will that do for membership? And that's that's an issue there. What, ge- what geographic area does the post represent? 
how how far how far away from your headquarters can you live and be a member of the post oh dang that's a really good question that's a question that i don't know actually but anybody who's interested in being a member of post 134 you know like please give us a call you can sign up for membership online geographically i i huh i have not been asked that and i don't know the answer to that well, that's something you might want to know. Where Where is your facility physically located? Yeah, we're on Northeast Alberta. Yeah, they're right by here. They're right by here. Uh, well, Kevin, anything I should have asked that I didn't? Any closing word from you, or where can people find out more? Yeah, absolutely. Um, if, if people can um, look us up on, um, you know, if, if you search our Post 134, you can find us. Uh, there's If people want to book events there, there is an email for booking events. And anything else that I want to say? Let me think. Let me think. Let me think. I think that's. I uh, think. I think. I think the time to think was in advance. But I do want to say, unless, unless, I, I, you know, I'll fill. I'll fill time as you think. Anything else you want to say, or you already gave the information where they can find out more, and I appreciate. it. When's the vote? When? It, when does it happen? You doing in February? Yeah, 9th? It's, it's happening next month. Okay. All right. And there was supposed to be a no-confidence vote held on Sunday afternoon, but Isaacson uh, called it off? Uh, technically, it was Portland Police who asked us to not have it. How come? Uh, they warned against protests happening up front. See, that's kind of juicy. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us, Kevin. Thank you so much for your service, and thanks for stepping in on this. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for talking to me. Have a great day. All right, appreciate it. Actually... You're on the air, Dad. If you whisper, it doesn't oh, mean they can't okay. hear you. It just means they <laughs> hear you whisper. You were just asking me, what do I want to cover? I've got so much I haven't talked about, but we have two more guests coming, so I don't have much time. So what I want to make sure everybody knows, I want to have everybody know what's happened to Oreos. Really? Yes. Okay. Oreos. does not seem like an important story. Therefore, Oreos say it's has, not an important is story. coming out, has come out with caramel coconut and chocolate marshmallow. Whoa. This is so... This is, we're also doing a segment this morning on Legos. Like, we're, like <laughs> Oreos and Legos. A hard-hitting information that from your nonprofit Canoes and Commentary outlet, X-Ray. We appreciate you. There's, there's a bunch of international stuff that maybe I should just run down very quickly so people are aware. Well, the one piece of international news I want to make sure we cover was, in fact, that Vladimir Putin announced in his speech a significant restructuring of the Russian government. After that, including the creation of or elevation of a new post, the speculate, and then almost immediately thereafter, his unpopular prime minister and the entire cabinet uh, quit. Got out of the got out of the mix. Speculation is that Putin created this new position. That's not an elected position, so that when he is out in 2024, when his term is over, he's able to step into that and still be able to run his mobbering. Actually, to become the the modern Stalin. It's that's and, what that's that's what I think is going on. He wants to become the modern Stalin. And to understand. Uh, the uh, we got a question by the way it sounds like Kevin has been threatened that is why he is not forthcoming question mark I don't know that would have been a good question to ask uh, the I think my own my own thought was it's the first time he's running for something and 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 I remember the very first time I went on radio I thought I needed to sound like somebody who was on the radio and I didn't sound like 
a human being, really. I, I'm not saying he didn't sound like a human being. I didn't sound like a human being. And that was my that was my sort of take. It's like, oh, well, I got to, I, I, or, or, you know, I got to sound like a politician. I got to be somebody who's running for something. And uh, and I get that, and it's fine. I appreciate his service and appreciate his time. We're going to be talking to a guy from Legoland in a second, Dad. But, yeah, give a couple of international headlines before we move on. Okay, along. quick rundown. China trade deal, which DDT with the, his usual hyperbole, However, it's pretty hyperbole. Hyperbole, that's what I'm after. Saying it's the greatest thing. China says it's not that big a deal. But the one thing we do know is that you and I will continue to pay the cost of the tariffs whenever we buy something that is made in China. The uh, uh, Jakarta flooding is just awful. 397,000 people have been displaced. Some places there's 19 feet of water in parts of the in parts of the city. The Pope ben- ex former Pope Pope Benedict and Cardinal Sarah published a book, or at least the book says that they published a book supporting celibacy in the clergy. And former Pope Benedict says, "No, no, I really shouldn't be on that. I'm not really an author." which makes you wonder, is Cardinal Sarah or is Pope Benedict stretching the truth about his Did you watch the two popes? What? Did you watch the two popes? I have not watched the two oh, popes. Oh, it's good. Is it? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's fiction, presumably, but it's good. The, the smoke in Australia is just so bad. Canberra is 60 miles away from the nearest fire, but the smoke is so bad that they can't have any events outside. While we're talking about the environment, ocean temperature is the highest it has ever been. And we had some really warm weather on last Sunday. Boston temperature, 74 degrees. Yeah, Washington was 70, and the president tweeted out that it got their first snow when they didn't. That was weird. (laughs) Dad, do you know when Legos were first introduced to the United States? I don't. 1962, 10 years prior That's to the was, initiation of the Equal Rights Amendment. I'm, I'm not saying those two things are related. I was going to guess early 60s. If you pick them up at the store, they would have simply been a loose set of bricks. Now they come in massive sets designed to build everything from dollhouses to the Batmobile. They made two Lego movies. They've made Lego video games. And now... And they have at least three sizes. The, the Now the Lego movie is getting its own theme park in Legoland, the Lego movie world. And apparently we are covering that this morning on X-Ray with the help of Jake Gonzalez, the media relations manager for Legoland. Good morning, Jake. Good morning, guys. Good good to talk to you. Why do we care about the Lego movie world in Legoland? It's interesting maybe at least that you say lots of Portlanders go to Legoland. We there are a lot of Portlanders that go down to Legoland, go down to San Diego, where Legoland California Resort is located. Uh, kids love the Lego Movie and Lego Movie Two, the second part. Their favorite heroes, Emmett and Wildstyle, are going to be coming to life in the Lego Movie world, where they can can get completely immersed into the Lego Movie universe. They'll be able to walk right into Bricksburg. They'll be able to ride a new ride called Emmett's Flying Adventure, where you get, actually get to fly. Emmett's invention, which was a triple-decker flying couch, and you get to fly through all the different lands from both movies, so lands like Cloud Cuckoo Land and Middle Zealand, go and see um, you know, Metal Beard's you know, pirate ship as you're flying around in this ride, 
You also have Unikitty's Disco Drop, where you use the free-for-all drop, and you can see Unikitty's face changing in different expressions from happy to sad to queasy to sleepy. Um, a lot of fun, and it really just adds to kids utilizing their imagination and creativity when playing with Lego bricks. Are you running for president of Portland American <laughs> Legion Post 134? Because I think... <laughs> I don't know. I think you sound pretty good to me. Uh, are are you trying to fill the void left by the animal abuse of SeaWorld? And what do you have to say about SeaWorld's animal abuse? Well, we 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 focus on the Lego brick. The beauty with what we're working with is that you. So you're dodging the issue. You're dodging the issue. Animals. What's been happening with killer whales, with orcas? It's it's right in your backyard in San Diego, sir. Are you saying that you're doing nothing about that? What we're saying is we're trying to always continue to bring smiles to all the kids and family faces as they come down to San Diego and want to have their first family vacation, make those family memories, um, have a first time ever going to a theme park. A great place to go to a theme park is Legoland California. Is your, is your, is we're your, geared for families ages 2 to 12. and that is What's the biggest controversy that Legoland has to deal with? Is it the size of bricks? Is it is it how many bricks come in a packet? What is the greatest controversy you have to deal with? You know, one of the, one of the greatest things about Legoland is that we have more than 30,000 Lego models made out of 16 million Lego bricks. You see and that? That's the guy's a pro. Is that guy's a pro. I said, what controversy? That's a guy's a pro. Keep going. Keep going. That was brilliant. The controversy might be that um, some guests think, you know, how do they make these models? The cool thing is, is that all our master model builders have to use the same brick that you and I would buy at a toy store. So they are challenged to use the same types of brick. We just get it in larger quantities. We buy our brick by the pound as opposed to buying it by the set. But every model that you see in our park, if you had enough time, space, and money, you could build. Well, there well, apparently, when I Google Legoland controversy... There is something that comes up, okay, oh. it, involving a referendum petition. It's back in 2017, the latest salvo by, salvo by opponents of the proposed Legoland New York theme park. So what oh. was the problem with Legoland? Two Orange County State Supreme Court judges had to step down from the case. I'm sa- I don't know. There's, there's some controversy in Legoland. How do you dodge this? What do you do? Do you build well, a little I'll- Lego fort to keep out the bad guys? <laughs> Well, you know what? Legoland New York is going to be opening up this summer out in Goshen, New York. So uh, it is moving forward. I think sometimes it's the fear of the unknown that get people a little little taken back. Um, But once it's there, uh, we have so many of our past members are our local residents there in San Diego that were like, ah, what, what is Legoland? And I think that's the big question. But once it comes, they realize, oh, my gosh, what a great place for their kids and their grandkids to go and learn. Have How many children have build. died from choking on Legos? That's, <laughs> oh, man. That's the I mean, real issue here. <laughs> I would say, you know, as a parent myself with two girls, I just know I've stepped on quite a few Lego. Oh, it hurts uh, so bad. It's always in good jet. Do you have a solution for that? More shag carpet? What is the solution? Shoes, Shoes are the solution. No bare feet. Shoes are the solution. Maria Where? Kondo, I think, wants us not to wear shoes inside. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if he's going to let me talk, but Go I have ahead, a question. Dad. Where is Legoland physically located in relation to the zoo? It is about 35 minutes north of the San Diego Zoo, 35 minutes north of downtown San Diego in a town called Carlsbad, California, which is on the coast. And we are about 30 minutes from Safari Park Zoo, which is um, 
the San Diego Zoo's uh, other park in the area. Um, and then we're about 45 minutes south of Anaheim. So we are centrally located to go hit all those different attractions while you come and stay at our Legoland Castle Hotel or Legoland Hotel. Um, our Legoland Castle Hotel is a, you know, is fully themed. There's more than 2,000 Lego models in there with more than 3 million Lego bricks, as well as the Legoland Hotel featuring more than 3 million Lego and bricks. And where so the heck, where the heck immersive. is, where the heck is Goshen? I know it's in New York, but where? You're asking New York a lot of geography Goshen. questions this morning. Well, yeah, but uh, people are interested in that. If they want to go, they need to know where it is. Nobody from Portland's going to Goshen. <laughs> Goshen, New York, is in Orange County, New York. It's just in upstate New York, about uh, an hour and a half uh, north of the city, um, right off the Hudson River. So it's in this beautiful area um, of forestry. So it's a, we are, it's a park within a park. Um, tons of trees, and they'll have some very unique um, models and rides that are just unique to uh, to that park. Um, as as well as we have Legoland Florida, which is in Winter Haven, um, just outside of Orlando, that, which sits right on a lake, and it also has um, different sets of models. So we're 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 similar but yet unique. So every time you go to one of our parks, you have a little bit of a different experience. How uh, how much does it cost? Around Lego. How much does it cost to go to Lego? I don't mean a plane ticket to Goshen because that's you know varies to spend depending on what Expedia is charging me on a given day. <laughs> how much does it cost to get into the park? So for so to go to the park is the best thing I would say is to go to our website because you're going to be getting deals. There's different deals. Oh, he's a pro. Different customized packages. Yeah, different customized packages. That's right. If I don't get a customized package, how much is a ticket? Uh, your tickets are depending. You're looking at right right around uh, eighty dollars for an adult. Eighty dollars. How much? How many Legos can I get for eighty dollars? Can I get a oh. Batmobile for eighty dollars? Depends on what size Batmobile. You know, at Legoland California, we had a life packages. Batmobile uh, that was made out of uh, just over a million Lego bricks. So to put it all in perspective, so it depends. Right now, actually, at our park, we have a life-size Lego Bugatti, and it actually drives. The <laughs> only thing that is not made out of Lego on that Lego Bugatti is the tires. The engine's made out of Legos? The engine is made out of a Lego Technic um, brand. And one of their product lines, and it's, they took all the different battery cells and made one large um, cell, so it's an electric car. Um, but the entire vehicle is made out of Lego bricks and Lego pieces. Do you look upon... And it, and it moves. It moves. Uh, it doesn't move as fast. Dad has more questions. Actual Lego Bugatti, which goes over 200 miles an hour, but this, what? One, uh, <laughs> this one does drive. Do you look upon Disney as a competitor? or as What do somebody? you hate most about Disney? <laughs> now, answer my question first. <laughs> Do we look at them as a competitor? No. You know what? The beauty is, is um, in Southern California, it's always great to have uh, other theme parks and other attractions because you have great people from Portland and just from the state of Oregon coming down, and so then they can make their their vacation a multi-day vacation. They can come to Legoland California. They can go check out other theme parks. Go check out a baseball game if they wanted to. Go check out some of the museums that is there in San Diego and have a wonderful vacation. And the only way you can do that is by having other um, attractions and theme parks available um, for families. Jake Gonzalez, who are you voting for in the Democratic primary? What's that? Who are you voting for in the Democratic primary? Oh, good question. You know what? Yeah, uh, great question. We'll see how that you plays underst- out. Understand, understand that, that he's very close to Orange County, California. Well, that's why I'm curious. This guy who was the bus project is now organizing uh, folks in Orange County. Orange, oh, Ca- Orange County politics you, you are changing did, you a lot. You didn't make that clear 
that he came out of the bus project. Well, not Jake Gonzalez. I'm saying a different guy. Don't yeah. confuse the matter. Jake, I'm sure I haven't confused. Jake Gonzalez, I want to apologize. But I also want to say you're welcome, and thank you so much for spending time with us this morning. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. We look forward to seeing you this spring out at the Lego Movie World. Good luck to you. Well, that was our, I don't know if it was our exclusive Legoland interview. It was the very first Legoland interview we've ever done. I think probably the last one he's going to do with us. Uh, I don't know. I like it. Maybe Jake liked it too. I think we're going to be right back with Alex Zelensky talking about what's actually going on in our community, which we love doing. Sometimes we cover the stuff that you might not deem important. Hopefully it's mildly amusing. Good morning, everybody. You're listening to X-Ray. And it is time to morning at X-Ray at the City. We are joined by Alex Zelensky, news editor for the Portland Mercury. Alex, good morning. Good morning. Did Sam Adams surprise you by deciding to run for Chloe Daly's seat? Yes. What did uh, you think? Had you Sam heard? Adams didn't surprise me by deciding to run. You'd been hearing rumblings. You've been hearing rumblings from, of Sam doing something, yes? Right, yeah. He's He's been back and, and trying to kind of repair his name in Portland um, in a way that signals he's interested in running for office. And, and earlier last week we heard from him that he was poking around. Um, but we thought he was poking around uh, uh, Commissioner Fish's. And why were you thinking that? Just because it seemed obvious because it was open? Because we talked to him <laughs> and it was you know it was brought up and it was kind of like yeah I'm kind of looking at it um, but uh, and there was no mention of of any other seat kind of on his mind um, it's interesting that yeah so so it's certainly interesting that he's now announced he's running for Commissioner Udaley's seat for many reasons um, one of which is that uh, it's an contested seat. There's two uncontested uh, seats without an incumbent that are open on city council. Well, contested, but without a con- uh, contested, but without an incumbent. Con- sorry, yeah. Contested, but with, without an incumbent. So the, you um, talked to him. I want to stick with this, though. So you you sat down to talk to him. I think he also talked to Lamont Week, and, and it was what, like, hey, I want to return. The first story I saw was like, you know, I need... Uh, I need help getting a job. I think was was the was the story I <laughs> right. saw. I was that like, was I'm getting that blocked. William Weeks piece, yeah. I'm getting blocked out of stuff. What was the hook for you talking? To? Was it in fact his plans to run for office, or was it him moving back to the city? When what were the the conversation you had with him? Under what auspices was that conversation? Uh, I spoke with him about Commissioner Nick Fish's death, and I spoke. Yeah. Was, we were chatting about kind of his memory of him, and it turned into the future of city council and it was it was casually brought up um it kind of took me off guard even though i know that he's been like in that kind of William what we um cover story in him a while ago that he's back and he's um he's interested in finding work in portland and he's also interested in kind of clearing his name of any past um harassment sexual harassment allegations what is um, your, what is your take on why he decided you daily um, I think, well, f- first of all, uh, I, I, I think a very basic uh, distinction between New Daily Seat and Nick Fish's Seat is just the time um, 
the. You think he might have wanted more time to run? You think that it, it, the primary is the same? The first round is the same date as all the others. The second round, instead of instead of in the November general election for most of the sa- yeah. seats, uh, the uh, uh, if it had few, been Nick few Fish, more months added on to that yeah. <laughs> runoff. It's uh, yeah, because in, in in running for Nick Fish's seat, um, while the primary would be the same, the the general election would be in August. Um, for Udavi seat, the general election would be normal general election time in November. Also, her seat and that seat is a four-year promise. Um, it's not just two years, which would be finishing out Nick Fisher's seat. Um, so it's a little bit more standard. I I think there's a lot of um, a lot of voices who are who are critical and in, in opposition of. Um, Day that we've heard in the last, uh, you know, certainly after she kind of brought up this um, push to reconfigure the neighborhood, assort, uh, neighborhood associations in town um, in a way that not everyone that kind of uh, rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, while it might be, you know, a good conversation to bring up um, the way she went about it, I think um, made her some enemies in some communities that, I, that, that have um, that are still in good good favor with with uh, the former mayor Sam Adams, and so I think he might um, he might have seen himself having a chance there. There are a lot of people who've already announced or, or who are considering a run for um, Fish's empty seat, who may be harder to um, to beat. Yeah, and we'll ask him, we'll ask this we'll ask him this question, but I think some of it you've mm-hmm. already sort of hinted at, which is. Running against Chloe Daly, some of the conversation will be about Chloe Daly. It won't only be a referendum on Sam. And oh, certainly. It, it can yeah. be. It can be a referendum on her. I'm I'm wondering how much of it was also recognizing that the voter turnout in August will be vastly, vastly smaller than mm-hmm. the voter turnout in November, and that he thought, well, wonder maybe he just thought his name familiarity. Would would do better with a big crowd than a oh, small yeah, that, crowd. Oh yeah, that's smart. That's yeah, smart. And he's yeah, right. I mean, familiarity is also helpful in the small elections too, though. It should be, I mean, especially with such a small turnaround. It'll be interesting to see kind of what that trend looks like. But, but it is, but, it, you know, there'll be a lot. And we'll ask him, but there are probably a lot of maybe a lot of factors. But yeah, you could imagine Chloe Daly. Here's one case that could be made: that Chloe Daly might have an active base of voters. Right, some number of thousands of mm-hmm. folks are going to go out and vote for her. Sam Adams, having not been around as much, might not have that active base of voters that's ready to mobilize for him. But in a broad-based election, when people are reading the names, be like, "Oh yeah, Sam Adams. I think that's that's the guy." I don't know. You know. That was a guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I think I think that's definitely right. Um, and I think uh, it, also we didn't mention, you know, Amanda Fritz's um, empty seat that she's vacating at the end of this year is going to be. There's um, a number of uh, people running for that seat as well, but Sam Adams has already come out in support of Carmen Rubio, who right. is um, one of the kind of leading candidates, uh, the head of the um, Latino network, who's running for that seat. And so I think it would be he he kind of stayed away from even touching that seat. Any 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 rumblings about whether or not Rubio will return the favor? Uh to. Too early to say. I'm not sure. I haven't reached out to her yet. And that actually is a segue to the another piece of the dynamic that I expect, because I expect lots of people <laughs> remain curious about this. I expect mm-hmm. you, Alex, remain curious about this. 
and the I'm guessing that part of the analysis were the interest groups and sort of endorsement politics that looking at who is going to line up for him oh, if, he's, sure. if he's running right. against you know Julia DeGraw and Sam Chase and you know the various folks in Nick Fisher's seat you already mentioned and we, and we can guess sort of the endorsement politics and interest group politics if he's running against uh, our chance to have uh, a Latina or Latinx uh, commissioner and now and Carmen Rubio specifically uh, and mm-hmm. now versus the interest group uh, politics endorsement politics against Chloe Daly who might I can absolutely, by the way, imagine this. In fact, I'm not even imagining this conversation. I am betting that this conversation happened at least three times. Hey, I'm thinking about running for city council for Nick Fisher's seat. And somebody said, why are you running against Chloe? We're pissed at Chloe. I'm not saying mm-hmm. who is pissed at her, but she's sitting there, and somebody's pissed at her, and I bet they talked to him. And he, so he's got some initial, he's probably got some initial support to uh, to run there. That'd be my guess. Yeah, yeah. And he's certainly more of a kind of, um, you know, moderate and traditional politician and, and city hall, uh, like a longtime city hall, uh, you know, n- native in some way, yeah. uh, compared to Chloe Daly, who, you know, as we know, kind of uh, shook up city hall by being a, a um, totally new to the office and to, to the public eye um, as a kind of activist and advocate for, um, you know, renters' rights and, and housing reform um, and booting out Steve Novick, who's kind of similar to Sam Adams, is a, a longtime kind of um, city hall guy. Yeah. Well, what uh, what are the questions that oh, I want to go back actually to your conversation with him? You said it was about uh, about uh, started about Nick Fish. Of course, uh, Nick Fish was his first was Sam Adams' first electoral opponent when yeah. he ran for city council the first time. And after the primary, Nick Fish, I remember this. Nick Fish was ten points up. Uh, and and then Sam ran in the general, and they, they kept going. Mm-hmm. They went to a runoff, and, and Sam ended up beating him in what felt like a, a comeback then. Did he offer any remembrances that uh, were particularly notable? Or did he, when he talked about the state of the city, anything that you thought might inform uh, what we'll be looking at, not only in terms of an election, but what we should be thinking about as a city? Yeah, to answer that first question, he did, um, because we were talking about kind of Nick Fish's demeanor and kind of how he was as a politician, um, he did speak a lot about kind of um, the relationship he built with him as a opponent, uh, you know, the first time that they met, um, and how, you know, uh, cordial and like kind of healthy those debates were. Um, he really, like Nick Fish, I think he has a lot of uh, respect for people who respect the office and who respect the, the, the sanctity of, of um, you know, city government and having healthy and respectful debates um, that are, you know, well-educated and informed was um, was something that uh, he really enjoyed about running against uh, Nick Fish, and they became kind of friends through that. He said at the end of that campaign, I think before, you know, um, Adams came back and, and won the general they were so familiar with each other's, um, you know, uh, campaign lines that they were sure. exchanging other sentences jokingly, um, and uh, and I think it's certainly something that um, Adams is interested in kind of bringing back to City Hall, um, which is, which is something that a lot of people who are running to uh, fill Nick Fish's seat are really noting. You know, like we want to bring back this idea of um, or carry the mantle of 
of uh, respect uh, and, and kind of agreement and discourse and nuance to City Hall. Um, and, I mean, he did, uh, Adams does have a few kind of stronger and more defined um, policies that he's going to, I think, publicly announce next week that I won't get into, but um, it should be interesting to see kind of where he's progressed over the decade um, since leaving the city and if it's not going to be you know, I think people really want to see something. They're they're comfortable that they that it's a familiar name, but they want to see something new and see that this is someone who's grown and maybe changed um, and and is looking to the future of Portland, not to the past. Yeah. Well, Ag Zelinsky, thank you so much for joining us, being with us this morning. Yeah, thanks for having me. We appreciate it, and we'll stay tuned on this one. I'm hoping we'll have lots of. Uh, conversations about the state of the city and where we can go uh, and not only talking about the horse race but talking about uh, what questions the city needs to answer because there's a I mean we're going to be shaping the leadership of city hall however this goes all four of these races in the next several months mm-hmm. yeah I'm, I, 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 I'm interested in the tactic here that he decided to file before he held the news conference and usually you have a news conference and then you just go ahead and file. And I'm wondering, he must have thought this way he gets two good stories. We're talking about it. But <laughs> we're talking about it. But the question is, will he get the same coverage for his news conference sure. or will we look upon it? Well, we've done, we've talked about that already. And at least get one and a half. One and a half. At least get one and okay. a half. All right. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, Alex. Yeah, of course. Thank you. You are listening to X-Ray FM, KXY Portland, KQAC, HD3 Portland, 107.1, 91.1 FM, streaming online everywhere at xray.fm. Dad, any big stories that you wanted to make sure we got to this morning? Uh, you had, you had there, there in the break, you had complained that I prepared so much stuff, and we didn't get to it all. So any quick headlines well, you want to make sure we cover? St- state and local. It is state and local th- Thursday. Oak Ridge School District, Oak Ridge, Oregon, which is a little town up in the Cascades, east of Eugene, is the fifth poorest school district in America. Not a great uh, thing to, nothing to brag about. Portland Public Schools are probably going to submit another bond measure to take care of the shortfall from the bond measure that we already passed. This is actually interesting. There is The current plan is to put out a bond measure for the overage of the cost of the yep. schools. It's a very interesting decision. It's not like, hey, it's we're, we're going to do two more schools, and plus, by the way, we're going to cover the overage. It's just like, hey, everybody, cost more. Uh, Help we, us out. We made, a mis- we made a mistake, didn't ask for enough money the first time. It's so always more. I mean, anytime, anytime they give an estimate on the Columbia River Crossing, whatever they're going to call it now, it's, it's going to be double that. If, if you are curious about how safe your grocery store is, that is how sure you can be that there won't be bad germs on your groceries, you can now go to an Oregonian website. Grab your pen. I'm about to give it to you. It is B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash grocery inspections. And you can put in the address of your grocery store and they will tell you whether or not that grocery store is in trouble with the Department of Agriculture. Might be worth mentioning that the city has extended the scooter test to the 31st of December 
So we're going to be putting up with scooters for at least 12 more months. I'm pro scooter. And then last, Norpac Co-op food processing plant going into bankruptcy, which is just awful for the 200 members of the plant. We have to hope that somebody will buy it to keep it open because if they don't keep it open, a lot of farmers in Oregon are going to have trouble finding a place to process their food. We uh, Portland now contains what might be the largest slow zone of any U.S. city. Northwest Portland, are you driving there? This reporting by Willamette Week. Well, slow down. Portland Mercury also reporting uh, that the new police chief held a press conference end of the decade with an unsurprising but abrupt shakeup in police leadership, as we discussed before, Danielle Outlaw out. And now Deputy Chief Jamie Resch has been sworn in as Portland's newest police chief. And we have a request in already to interview her on this show, which we'll be to hear. More local news. Sneaker waves, folks. Do not take lightly the threat of sneaker waves. Tragedy, tragedy near Cannon Beach this last week where a father and his two children were washed out. They were on a, a trail that wasn't even on the beach. It was off the beach, and the wave got up, grabbed them, took them back out. The little boy has not been found. The little girl died. The father went to the hospital with hyperthermia. Do not take the threat of sneaker waves lightly. And then I think we ought to mention that the climate bill has been published, the proposed climate bill for the Oregon legislature. The one thing I can say about it, it is really complicated. And they are, they've thrown in things, they've thrown a bone to Boeing in the hopes that they can get Montes Anderson's vote. Really, really complicated. And yet, it's been the legislative days. This has been the time when the Oregon legislature is sitting, not in session, but is there taking testimony, having committee hearings. Uh, it, the scuttlebutt is that there, uh, there is some discussion about a campaign finance reform statute, uh, a couple of different proposals. Uh, the governor's office is pushing for there not to be something that passes in this uh, in this short session, but instead waiting until uh, after a, an initiative is passed, uh, which got referred to the voters in the last session. Well, Dad, it is time for a straw in the wind. And I have two straws, straws in the wind. First straw. Selena Jabin is now Lieutenant Selena Jabin and is a chaplain in the United States Army. Why is this significant? Not just because she is a woman, but because she is a Muslim. First Muslim woman chaplain in American Armed Forces. And second, Mark Hamill has left Facebook and said no more Facebook because of the Facebook policy on political ads. That's a very interesting straw in the wind. The Last Jedi. <laughs> well, Dad, we did it one more time. We have indeed, and we'll be back on Monday. Love you, Pop. Thank you so much for being with us. Radio is yours. Love you, Pop.